Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, if you're here for the first time or if you've missed a few weeks, this is the fifth week of a six-week series, as you can see, titled God's Design for Singleness, Dating, Marriage, and Beyond. And the beyond is actually parenting children, which Pastor Brad spoke very effectively about last week. And today we're going to talk about parenting parents. And then next week we're going to conclude the series with a message titled, God's Family is for Everyone. And if you know anybody who doesn't have uh, a family or a church family uh, in your, uh, in your, among your relatives, friends, coworkers, people you go to school with, bring them next week because that message is going to be, as it says, for everyone. So uh, today, as we start into this parenting, parenting, parenting parents message, I want to say something that actually it was Mark uh, Lutz, our director of student ministries, brought up in the second week when he talked about dating. He said there wasn't dating in biblical times. There, were, there was no reason to date since boys and girls were considered men and women at the age of 13, and they were married by the age of 14 or 15, and their families arranged for their marriages, so there really wasn't dating. And if that was true of dating, it's even more true of this idea of parenting parents. Because in those days, uh, for instance, when Jesus called James and John, the son of Zebedee, to leave their fishing boats and come and follow him, what they did was they took away Zebedee's retirement plan. Uh, because there was no retirement plan. There were, there were no Social Security, no 401ks or whatever. Um, and, and if you lived long enough that you couldn't work anymore, your, your family just took you in and probably you lived in the same home where you'd always lived with either your children and grandchildren or, you know, two or three generations, maybe even four generations, all in one place. And, and that all started to change in the 20th century. It really started to change in the end of the 19th century when the Industrial Re- Revolution came along and people stopped being farmers and started working in factories and they started moving to the cities And so for the first time, really, in American history, people didn't live in the same place as their grandparents and their parents and their children. And so we had people scattering, and maybe people would live hundreds or even thousands of miles from their families of origins. It was a new thing which has only accelerated as we've moved into the 21st century. And so now, when we talk about parenting parents, it's a real thing for that reason as well as how long people are living. I don't know if you realize this, because if you've read the Bible, you know that like there were people that lived 600, 800, 900 years before the Great Flood, but after that, not so much. In fact, it was very rare for anybody to live as long as Moses did, which was 120 years. I've always found it interesting that Moses lived to be 120 years. God had said that you know, he was not going to put up with people any longer, than, basically for long lives, only 120 years. And uh, scientists today say that human beings, the maximum lifespan of a human being is 122 years. Um, I think it's interesting that modern science has verified something that you can read in Genesis 6. But anyway, um, uh, 122, they're probably off by two. In any case, because people are living longer, for instance, if you're a woman in the, in the uh, church family here today and you're 65 years of age, statistically, you'll live to be at least 85 If you're a man and you're 65, you'll live to be 82, Um, so living longer, which causes the question, what are we going to do when our parents get old? Whenever Nancy and I were dating and we started to get serious about uh, 
each other and we, went, we, we knew we were going to get married, we actually started talking about this thing of what are we going to do someday when our parents get old? And we had committed before we even got married that when we got old, if our parents needed us, we would be there for them because they were always there for us. I guess you could say we did what Pastor Brad suggested that we do last week when he talked about parenting children, that we should sit down as a family and have a, a time where we develop core values as a family. So one of our core values before we even got married was parenting our parents if we needed to. And we wouldn't have said it that way, but we just, uh, we just were committed to them. More about that later. But today's take-home point, and for those of you who are first time with us, uh, we have one point we seek to make every week from the Word of God, and we hope that then we'll put it in our minds, put it in our hearts, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll live it out in the week ahead. And so here it is. God ordered families so children give honor to their parents. The key word there is honor. In fact, the word honor is a very important word in the Bible. It occurs 274 times in the New Living Translation, English translation of the Bible. And to honor is to esteem a person because of their position. In this case, the position is that of either father or mother. And a lot of people mix up the words honor and respect, but in the Bible, they're very distinct words. In fact, the word respect only occurs 58 times in the Bible. And respect is honor that's given because it's earned. For instance, you might say, I respect that person's courage. I respect that person's honesty. I respect that person's work ethic. Now, you might honor a person for those things, but to respect means they've done something to earn it. And the reason I make that distinction is because as soon as I said, God ordered families so children give honor to their parents, some of you thought, I'm not honoring my parents because they were never there for me. And maybe you don't even know who your parents are. And you say, how do you expect me to honor somebody who's never been there for me or who's abused me or hurt me? And the truth is, every year when we come to May and we have Mother's Day and June we have Father's Day and we usually focus a little bit on those things, if not the whole message, at least in some way we honor moms and dads, there are some for whom that's very difficult because the, the mom and dad wasn't there. In fact, I had a person after worship last night said to me, I, 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 I hate my mom. And this wasn't a 12-year-old. This, this was a person, you know, a full-grown adult and said, she was never there for me and she's still, you know, causing problems in my life. And she, he said, how can I respect or how can I honor somebody like that? And, and I said, remember, honor is not because they've done something good. Honor is because that's your mom. And so finally it came down to this. I can honor my mom because she brought me into the world. If it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be here. Okay, well, that's a thought. If that's the best you have, then that's what we're going to talk about today because it's not a suggestion that we honor our parents. It's a command. And it's actually one of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. Before we get into that, let's pray together. Almighty God, I know that this is a topic that's uh, joyous for some and very hard for others. Uh, many of us had moms or dads or both that were wonderful and that have shown us the way of life, uh, both here on earth and, and, and in, in spiritual ways. But for some, this is a tough topic because our moms or dads or both weren't even there for us. And God, I pray that you would pour your spirit into each of us, that whatever the situation we have when it comes to our parents, that you would show us how we can honor them, whether they're still with us or, or even if they're not. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the fifth commandment reads, honor your father and mother, 
Then you will live a long life, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And that's from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Now, several of the Ten Commandments don't have any further explanation. It says don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, and that's it. doesn't have any explanation. But the Fifth Commandment, after it says honor your father and mother, says this. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So God promises if we honor our parents, we're going to live a long, full life and for the Israelites, that would have meant in the land of promise, the, the, the nation of Israel, what we call Israel today. For us, it's wherever we live. And so why would God tie in with the fifth commandment, if we honor, if we give honor to our mothers and fathers, that we're going to live a long, full life in the land, wherever it is, that God has promised to give us? Well, in Moses' day, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, he actually received hundreds of other commandments, more than 600 in all, and some of those commandments were about parents and children. And one of those commands stated that if children disobeyed their parents, they could be put to death. So I guess we can see in those days why honoring your parents would have given you a longer life, right? But, but in our day... In our day, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about marriage, I quoted from the American Psychological Association's website about how in a healthy marriage, what did we say? That children in healthy marriages are also healthier and happier. They're more uh, emotionally stable. They're more phys actually physically, they're better off in every way. Children are better off in a family where God's design is being lived out. And that's the key. You see, God designed families this way. It says this, for this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's from the book of Genesis, the second chapter. And that's when everything was still perfect before sin entered the world. And so God said, a man and woman will get married. They'll have children. Their children will grow up, and then they will find a husband or a wife, and they will get married, and then they'll have children, and they will grow up, and so on and so forth. And, and that's God's design. And it was God's design when the world was perfect, and it's still God's design. So when God organized the Israelites as a people and he gave them these commandments, and particularly ten most important commandments, I wonder why, I wonder why do you have to give a command to people to honor the people who brought you into the world, who taught you everything you know, who provided you know, clothing and food and everything? Why would you have to have a, com a command, a law that said you have to do that? Well, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to have a command like that, would you? Because in a perfect world, parents would really take care of their children. Parents would really love their children and would show them the ways of God from an early age and bring them up and provide everything that was needed. And in a, in a perfect world, children would, because of the position of mom or dad, just esteem their parents. But it isn't a perfect world. Actually, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need Ten Commandments, would we? But it hasn't been a perfect world for several thousand years since Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to be first instead of God being first. And so um, Moses gives this command in which we as people, and all of us have parents. Some of us don't know who they are. But we all have parents and we're supposed to honor our moms and dads. So for thousands of years, what that meant... From the time of Moses up until, you know, recent times, what that meant in most of the world was that as children, we would obey our parents. And then when we got older, if our parents were still living, we would take care of them. And that's still the way it is in much of the world today. But it's not so much that way here in America today because of the things that we talked about, because of how folks live so much longer and because of um, 
the, the reality that we don't live near our parents. A lot of us don't. And there are all kinds of things that come into play. So what does it mean in 2014 to honor our parents by parenting them if it comes to that? The good news is we're all living longer. I mean, that's, that's one of the good things about living in a world where there's enough food and there's good medical care and all those kind of things is we're living longer. But the, the truth is, as we live longer, we're not always living better. Sometimes there are physical ailments that curtail our ability to, to, to enjoy life, and sometimes there are mental incapacities, as, um, especially as we get into our you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. And so children are going to have to take more responsibility in certain situations. Well, back to the commitment that Nancy and I made back before we got married, that someday, if our parents needed us, we would be there to parent them. We had four parents. I say that not jokingly, but because, you know, in this day and age, that's not always the truth because of divorce as a reality. And so I've, I've uh, officiated at weddings where there have been eight parents. And so how do you honor eight parents? It's hard because by definition, if you have eight different people in your life who are filling in that role of father or mother, there's been some fracturing going on in the family unit. And so you, you sometimes are led to pick and choose. And remember the difference between honor and respect. Honor is valuing and esteeming the person because of the position they hold, not because of what they've done in your life. And just as Pastor Brad emphasized about having those um, core values for our, for our families, one of our core values really needs to be, what are we going to do in the future? When Nancy and I got married, we were 21 years old. And so at that time, our parents were healthy. And we, you know, we thought about, well, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, what's that going to And we really didn't think 35 years down the road would come this fast. But it has. It's, it came really fast. And in each of those eras of our life, it meant different things. And have you ever considered in an intentional way what it means to honor your parents, to esteem them because of the position they hold in your lives? And if you're married, that would mean esteeming your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, because of the position they hold in your spouse's life, uh, no matter what. And early in our marriage, Nancy and I moved from western Pennsylvania to New Jersey so I could go to seminary to study to become a pastor. And I never really realized the implications of honoring my in-laws that that had until my daughter Abby moved 300 miles away from home. Because it's a lot easier to honor somebody who's next door than it is to honor somebody 300 miles away. And we invited, you know, my parents and Nancy's parents to come out and visit as much as they wanted, but they really didn't want to come out and visit very much. You know, they lived in Gypsy and Crickside. We were in Princeton, New Jersey. It's like a different planet there. And, uh, and that's a sermon for another day. But, but the thing is, you know, it's very hard if you're 300 or 3,000 miles away to honor your parents. There are, there are phones, and, and nowadays there's email and all that, but it's not the same as being physically in proximity. And thankfully, because we were so young in those days, we really didn't have parenting our parent issues, except for my dad had a major heart attack uh, while I was there. And I found out that you can actually drive 300 miles in a very short period of time. Uh, and, and I won't even tell you how short because you'll go, oh, I don't believe that, but it's the truth. Anyway, um, because it was the summer and because I was a student, I was able to come home and be with my dad for several weeks during that. So I was sort of parenting my dad, making sure he did what he said because he never listened to my mother. Um, and uh, he really never listened to anybody. But that's a, another sermon for another day. But anyway, um, my dad, you know, I, I sort of ended up parenting him for just a few weeks during that period of time. 
And then it went back to normal for many years after that. And so the thing about pairing our parents that makes it really hard is they're our parents. They parented us. And so they never want to get in the position of listening to us. They don't want to hear what we have to say. They, they don't want to take our advice. They, they want to be the ones who give advice. And so that makes it more and more challenging. Now, um, one of the things that happened for me is I never really got opportunity to parent my parents because my mom died when I was 32 and she was only 67. Just like that, she had a stroke and she was here one day, gone the next. And then my dad died when I was 39 and he had a heart attack and he was gone. So there were really not much parenting our parents. Although in the six-year interim between when my mom died and my dad died, um, my dad was lost. I mean, literally, he, he didn't know Jesus, but he was lost without my mom, and he got remarried, so that meant sort of honoring my dad by honoring my stepmother as well, and, and our family did that. And in the period of those six years, we had the joyous opportunity of helping my dad come to know Jesus. And uh, if you're a, a child and your parents don't yet know the Lord, one of the best ways to honor your mom and your dad is by helping them to come to know Jesus. And that's a tough task because, you know, they're your parents and they know more than, than you do. And, and the truth is, our parents, for the most part, have more wisdom than we do because they've been around longer. But there are some things they don't know as much as we do about. But I'll never forget the, the moment that uh, my mother was in the coffin after she had died and, and uh, we had had the funeral service and my dad and I were the last two people there and we were going to close the casket. And, and my dad was standing there and he said, I'm never going to see her again. Maybe. And that was the first time I had a clue that maybe my dad might be open to the idea of Jesus because he had never had anything to do with Jesus and he never wanted anything to do with Jesus. But over those next four years, he came to know the Lord and, and that was a, a wonderful blessing in our lives. And, you know, before my mother died, Nancy and I had actually decided to move back closer to home because after the three years in New Jersey, I received a call to ministry. My first church I served was in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when my family, her family and my family found out we were going to Ohio, everybody's like, yeah, Ohio. And then we found out Cincinnati's 293 miles away from home. It's not really a lot better than Princeton. And so... We were this long distance thing again, and then Abby was born, and, and when Abby was born, Nancy and I started praying and talking about it, and we, we thought it would be good to be back closer to family, and uh, so we, we had an opportunity to come back to Western Pennsylvania, and um, two days before we were to move, my mother died, and I've never appreciated that timing. I still don't. You know, my mom uh, had three brothers and no sisters, four sons and no daughters. She had grandsons, and then one granddaughter, and, and then there was, there were, she just wanted granddaughters. And Abby was born, and then Emmy and Megan and all these great granddaughters and stuff. Since my um, mom died, she's had like half a dozen granddaughters and great-granddaughters, and she's never gotten to see them, you know. And, and that's a tangent, but not, not really, because my mother is in heaven, and one day she has the opportunity to see all those granddaughters she's never seen, provided they trust Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And one day, though, that family reunion is going to be awesome. But the, the, the point uh, I bring this up about my mother dying and my dad living six more years is this is a place where we can honor our parents because if you have two parents living and one of them dies, you're going to be grief-stricken, at least if your, parent, your, the parent, your mom or your dad has been you know, a good mom and dad. 
But the one who's left is going to need you. In that situation, you'll immediately have some parental role in your parents' life. I know from experience, my dad needed us, and we rallied around him. And, you know, those next six years, Nancy and Abby and Emmy and I got to be there. And some of you did. Some of you who are here today in the worship center got to minister to my dad. And, uh, and I'm going to be eternally grateful for that because it was some of those things that brought him to come to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord. And so in your grief, when your first parent goes to be with the Lord, um, remember that that's the first opportunity to honor your surviving parent. And again, what if, what if your parent wasn't there? What if, you know, what if? Well, the best thing that I can say is if your parent doesn't deserve your respect in that time, you can honor them at least by praying for them and potentially at least by being present. So in the days when Moses um, was passing on this important, important detail, I don't know if he had that in mind. I don't know if God, um, when he said, honor your father and mother, thought of my dad. I think he did. And I, and I know that for you, that's going to be something that most of us will deal with. You know why? Because typically parents die before their children. It's not always the way. But the order of things is that our parents go before we do. And so that's going to be a possibility. Now, when Nancy's dad got sick last year, and it was a very brief illness, and then he passed away, the last week of his life, we got to fulfill our commitment of decades earlier. Um, with her brothers and their families, and Nancy and I, we got to gather around and be there. And, and I had really, and, and you won't maybe understand this unless you've been in this situation, but the joyous duty of, of being with my father-in-law the last two nights that he was alive. He was, uh, he was bedridden, he was in hospice care, and he didn't want to be alone, and so I slept on the floor beside his bed. And I would get up and meet his physical needs during those two nights. And, and it was hard but I, I will be eternally grateful that I was able to do that and, and to fulfill that opportunity to honor. In this case, it was Nancy's father, but, you know, my father-in-law, it's part of my responsibility. And, and in your case, you may never have that opportunity. In your case, maybe your parents are already gone. In your case, maybe as your parents get older, it's not physical concerns, but mental concerns. And maybe you're going to have to take over some or a lot of decision making and maybe you won't be able to take care of them in the home and they then that's a really hard decision because then you have to decide a care facility and maybe they're hundreds of miles away and that complicates it even more and what do you do well you do what you can do you, you know phone calls and prayers and and uh, checking up on different kinds of care all of those kind of things are ways that we honor our parents in those kind of situations and it really comes down to that one simple word, honor. Esteeming our moms and dads, not because of what they've done for us. In some cases, it was a lot. In some cases, it was nothing. But just because they're our parents. I've told you many times over the years, if you've been coming to New Life, that my dad was an angry guy. He wasn't, he wasn't, a, good, he wasn't a nice guy. He was a good man, honest man, a hardworking man. But he was not nice. And... Uh, until my mother died, I really never got to know my dad. He worked away all my growing up years. I didn't get to see him very much. And when I did get to see him, I didn't want to. And then my mom died. And then my dad sort of, you know, he became more dependent on us and our family. And, uh, and it was a, a blessing. And after my dad came to know the Lord, when we would go to visit him, and my dad was 5'8", and when he was younger, he, he weighed like 260 or 70, 80 pounds. Some, some, he was a monstrous, like, big guy. 
sort of like this kind of a guy. And, and even as he was, you know, getting older and he lost a lot of weight, he was still a pretty big guy. And so I would come in and I would hug him and I would go, I love you, Dad. And he'd go, me too. He became a real warm, fuzzy guy after he got to know Jesus. And, uh, and so, you know, every time it was me too. And uh, that was about it, you know, and his like hug back was like, that's that. But, you know, my dad wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. None of you in the room are perfect, but Jesus is. And the thing that I saw happening for those last couple of years is the perfection of Jesus started to, you know, impact my dad's life. And the perfection of Jesus will impact your life. And the thing that I would say here right now is if you're in the room today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've never said, I need somebody in my life to change the things about me that I don't like. And the things about me that other people don't like. I've never said, I believe there's somebody bigger than me. Somebody beyond me. A God. And in this case, there's a very specific God who has a son named Jesus. If you never trusted Jesus as your Savior, which means save you from sin and death. And Lord, which means He becomes the owner of your life. Today would be a great day to do that. Because when the time comes, when you need to parent your parents, having the power of Jesus Christ in your life may be the most important thing that you can have to do that because honor is never easy. And especially if there's been things that haven't been worthy of respect, it makes it more challenging. But when we receive the grace of God in our lives through Jesus Christ, it's easier to extend the grace of Jesus to others. So if right now you need to you know, make things right with God, as we say, and, and you need to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it's simple. Just say, Jesus, you haven't been in control of my life. I give you control. Come in and take over. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me up with your life that's truly life. Give me your spirit. It doesn't have to be those exact words, but anything where you just say, I'm transferring ownership. And what will happen is several things, but one of the most important things is that you will start to be able to experience love for people that are unlovable, grace for people who don't deserve it because grace by definition isn't deserved, mercy which means, uh, you know, grace is getting what we don't deserve and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And you'll be able to show mercy to people. And so that's sort of uh, one of the most important ways that we can honor our father and mother in the hard times. It also makes it easier to honor our fathers and mothers in the easy times. And so today as we, as we close out this message, there's a commitment. We always have a commitment here at New Life. And the commitment says, I will honor my parents if they are alive by investing myself in them. If they are no longer living, I will honor them by living for the Lord. And remember, honor is not respect. It's esteeming mom and dad because they're mom and dad. If your mom and dad have already gone on before you, they're dead. They're not here any longer. Then, you know, it's easy to honor them in this way by living a life that reflects Jesus Christ because that brings honor to their memory. And uh, I would give anything to hear my dad say one more time, me too. You know, I would give anything to have an afternoon with my mom talking about, you know, all the things that she's missed out on over these last 24 years. In this life, that's not going to happen, but it will happen one day. I have a feeling when I meet my dad in heaven, he's going to say, I love you too, Chris. Not just me too. So wherever you are this morning, you have wonderful parents, and so it's easy to honor them. You don't know your parents, and so it seems very, very difficult. 
the way to make sure that you can give honor because it's a command, as I said, it's not a suggestion. Honor your father and mother that you may have a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. If you, uh, if you want to experience the fulfillment of that blessing in your life, then it's necessary, absolutely necessary to let Jesus, you know, work in your heart so that you can extend his love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness to your parents. And that will honor them in ways that nothing else will ever provide. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that Jesus told us we can call you Heavenly Father, that you're perfect in every way. And if, if we've had parents that weren't, we thank you that we can turn to you. And if we've had parents who were good and gracious and are still with us or have gone on to be with you, God, we praise you for giving us such parents. God, I pray for those in the room today who just made that commitment to trust Jesus as their Savior and Lord. I pray that you would fill them even now with your Holy Spirit. I pray for the rest of us, God, that we might live boldly and confidently in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for each of us, God, that we might indeed honor our parents, living or dead, by trusting in you and living out of your power, your truth, your grace, and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.